Christian Questions. Thomas Carlyle once said, Permanence, perseverance, and persistence, in spite of all obstacles, discouragements, and impossibilities, it is this that in all things distinguishes the strong soul from the weak. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And we're glad that you have chosen to spend some time with us on this excellent, wonderful Sunday morning. And Jonathan, what is the topic on this Resurrection Sunday? Jesus is risen. And our theme text is found in Mark chapter 16, verse 6. And the angel said unto them, Be not afraid. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. And Jonathan, there have been many world-changing events in human history. The printing press made knowledge accessible to the masses. The light bulb literally illuminated man's course and fed an industrial revolution which brought previously unthinkable invention and convenience to many. Penicillin protected life in a new way. These and many other events changed man's course and were breathtaking in their scope and yet limited and even restricted in their reach throughout history. For each of these events could only touch those then living or yet to be born. There was only one event at any time in all of history that would alter man's destiny. All of man's destiny from Adam on through all of the civilizations ever experienced on an eternal scale. And that event was the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is that event that we will celebrate today. And Jonathan, today's a little bit of a different kind of a program. Yes, it is, Rick. We are going to tell the story of the uh, crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. So we're not going to be taking calls on air. However, if you do have a thought you would like to participate, you can certainly call in at 866-985-4255, toll free 866-985-4ALL, and talk with our screener, and we'll see if we can work your comments into our story. That's right. So, this morning, it is the story of Jesus is Risen. Chapter 1. Oil and Water. It is a known fact that oil and water do not mix. When experienced together, they in some ways can represent inherent contradiction. Such was the mixture of events that last night before Jesus was to experience the crushing torture, torment, and trial, and then absorb the agony of crucifixion. These events would produce some of the most tenderly expressed teachings of his life, and at the same time, these events would give seed to the most cruel betrayal of his life. The scene was in the upper room. Jesus' time left with his beloved disciples was now down to a precious few hours. He knew that they would not understand what was about to take place, and he sought to protect them by teaching them the most important lessons of their lives through his words and his example. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, 
the son of Simon, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper, and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So then he had washed their feet, and taken his garments, and reclined at the table again. He said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. You also should do as I did to you. The lesson was profound. True greatness would be found in those who would be always willing to serve as the least among them, for this would evidence the spirit of Christ, the spirit of giving without condition. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but it is that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread and has lifted up his heel against me. From now on I am telling you before it comes to pass, so that when it does occur you may believe that I am he. In the midst of this life-altering lesson of serving one another, Jesus now quotes an Old Testament prophecy of betrayal, and that of the worst kind, a friend, a true friend who becomes an enemy. When Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, that one of you will betray me. They began to be grieved, and to say to him, one by one, Surely not I. And he said to them, It is the one of the twelve, one who dips with me in the bowl. Behold, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine on the table. Confusion struck the disciples, for what Jesus was saying surely could not be what he meant. They needed to know his meaning, and they needed to know now. The disciples began looking at one another, at a loss to know of which one he was speaking. There was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. So Peter gestured to him and said to him, Tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. He, leaning back thus on Jesus' bosom, said to him, Lord, who is it? Then Jesus answered, that is the one from whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. So when he had dipped the morsel, he took and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon, Iscariot. And Judas, who was betraying him, said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. After the morsel, Satan then entered into him. Therefore Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. So after receiving the morsel, he went out immediately, and it was night. Therefore, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and 
God is glorified in him. So Judas went out into the night. Jesus, having now revealed his betrayer, could have become despondent, for he had lost a friend to evil. His response, though, was yet another lesson, for Jesus did not focus on the pain of betrayal. Rather, he focused on the power of another prophecy being fulfilled, all to the glory of God. You're listening to Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan, here with Rick, and our subject is, Jesus is Risen. Uh, we won't be taking calls uh, over air, but if you do have a thought, our call screener is available, and give us a call at 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And we do want to remind you about Christian Questions CQ Rewind. Uh, sign up for the full edition, especially for last week's program on the Palm Sunday events. Oh, yes. Wonderful, wonderful job they did. ChristianQuestions.com. CQ Rewind, the full edition. It's a free service. Let us begin back to our story. After the memorial meal together, they went out into the night and were on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. On their way, they may have passed through a vineyard, and Jesus perhaps paused there to use this moment for their last life-altering lesson before the dark night of trial. Imagine Jesus in the vineyard with his disciples, standing by a grapevine and teaching them. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. The taking away in this verse is actually much better translated to take up or to lift up. This is a much more sensible translation when you understand how a vine dresser treats those branches that are not bearing fruit. We quote, quote from the book, The Secrets of the Vine, by Bruce Wilkinson. New branches have a natural tendency to trail down and grow along the ground, but they do not bear fruit down there. When branches grow along the ground, the leaves get coated in dust. When it rains, they get muddied and mildewed. The branch becomes sick and useless. These branches are much too valuable to cut off. We go through the vineyard with a bucket of water looking for these branches. We lift them up and wash them off. Then we wrap them around the trellis or tie them up. And pretty soon, they're thriving. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. One more quote from the vine dresser from the Secrets of the Vine. Quote, the 
vine's ability to produce and grow increases each year, but without intensive pruning, the plant weakens and its crop diminishes. Mature branches must be pruned hard to achieve maximum yield." Unquote. This was the lesson of the vine. Jesus would now lead his followers to the Garden of Gethsemane. They had been given two simple, life-changing lessons to prepare for trial. First, humbly care for one another, the lesson of washing one another's feet. And second, always abiding in Jesus, accepting the pruning and washing experiences of life by the hand of God himself, the lesson of the vine. Now for a time, darkness would swallow them. So, Jonathan, as we wrap up this first segment, it's oil and water. It's two different kinds of experiences that are happening here. Uh, the, the experience of the setting up of the betrayal by Judas. Oil. Yeah, it just, and it, it was a, imagine being on this last night of your life and being in that situation where one of your friends who has walked with you for years is now your enemy. Oh, how difficult. And then you have the beautiful, tender examples of the washing of the disciples' feet. And Judas was there when he washed their feet, remember? That's right, that's right. And then the, the lesson of the vine and the branches and how important that particular lesson was uh, for them to understand that no matter what was going to happen, and of course they wouldn't get it right then, but to understand that no matter what was going to happen now, later, these would be the things that would tie them together. Serve one another humbly and find your life through in Jesus as the as the uh, the the vine and tended to by God himself the vine dresser this is christian questions i'm jonathan here with rick our subject this morning jesus is risen coming up jesus prays three times with every fiber of his being and his three closest friends fell asleep he was truly alone that's next You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Jesus is Risen. If you have a thought, give us a call. But we are not taking on-air calls. But call our call screener and he'll share with us uh, your thoughts. Our number is... Toll free, 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. We are telling the story of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Chapter 2. Alone in the Darkness. When facing extreme stress in our lives, we all have favorite places or circumstances that we seek to help us find strength and peace. Jesus was no different. The Garden of Gethsemane was such a place for him, as it offered an ancient beauty and rustic presence in which to deeply communicate with his Heavenly Father. So they went to the Garden, Jesus knowing that he would soon be taken prisoner wanted to be in this place of peace with his most beloved friends at his side. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is excited. 
exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here with me and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again a second time, he went away, prayed, saying, O oh my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Just as a storm rises over Galilee, the storm of trial rose quickly upon Jesus as he knew that betrayal was imminent. His instincts had led him to pray for the physical strength and the spiritual courage necessary to overcome. And pray he did, over and over and over. Each time he prayed, he became more focused. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. Every part of Jesus was engaged in this, his final prayer, as a free man. Every part of him strained and struggled, and every part of him, in the end, did acquiesce. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. A crowd with torches, swords, and armor approached. It was led by an unarmed man, an unarmed and familiar man. Judas approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. He asked them, Whom are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he, so if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. So this is what betrayal looks like. Lanterns, torches, and weapons, and a contingent of the chief priests and Pharisees, all to apprehend a man who never even used a sword or a spear, 
and whose life was spent healing, teaching, and encouraging the masses. Even so, Jesus was willing to be taken. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. I am not to drink, am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? No more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple police and the elders who had come for him, Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a bandit? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. We as humans always seem to resort to our true selves, especially when pressure is applied to our lives. For the Pharisees, true self was here reflected in illegal actions in the dark of night. For Judas, true self was to do whatever was necessary for the sake of gain. For Peter, it was to leap into action. And for Jesus, for Jesus, true self was to restore order, to acquiesce to the Father's will, and to heal, even if that healing was for the benefit of an enemy. Jesus was now on his way to Annas, the son-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest. Following behind in the distance were Peter and John, no doubt bewildered and unsure. They kept their distance as they could not settle for just hiding as the others had done. Once they got to the palace of the high priest, John had to arrange for Peter's entrance with the woman by the gate. It would have been shortly after midnight, and this would have been the first phase of the religious trial that Jesus was subjected to. You're listening to Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Jesus is Risen. If you have a thought, give us a call at 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. We're not taking on-air calls, but leave your thoughts with our call screener and he'll get them to us. And uh, we are telling the story of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. We want to remind you to go to ChristianQuestions.net, sign up for Seeker Rewind, the full edition. It's a free service. And it, it will have, for this week, it will have all of the text of the program uh, in there for you. So uh, Seeker Rewind, the full edition, sign up at ChristianQuestions.net or .com. It's a free service. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teachings. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple, where all the Jews come together, and I spoke nothing in secret. When he had said this, one of the officers standing nearby struck Jesus, saying, Is that the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong. But if rightly, why did you strike me? So Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he was sitting with the officers and warming himself by the fire. Now phase two of Jesus' religious trial would begin, somewhere around one to two in the morning. 
This was clearly illegal, as the Sanhedrin were never to meet before daybreak. They gathered witnesses against Jesus, but as with all acts of darkness, these witnesses were false and did not agree. Finally, the high priest asked him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Jesus answered, I am, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Tearing his clothes, the high priest said, What further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. How does it seem to you? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. While this was going on inside, another drama of darkness was unfolding outside, where Peter and others were warming themselves by the fire. And a certain maid, seeing him as he sat in the light of the fire, and looking steadfastly upon him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I know him not. Peter must have surprised himself. He was surely scared, and surely he wanted to stay as close to Jesus as possible. But deny that he knew him? How could he? Perhaps he rationalized that anonymity was necessary to stay close by. So Peter sat quietly, perhaps feeling a bit more self-conscious than before. He watched from a distance as Jesus was being questioned about his teachings. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. Again, again he denied Jesus. What was he thinking? Where was his courage? Where was the Peter who had boldly left all to follow Jesus? The Peter who would speak for his fellow disciples? The Peter who would stare fear in the face? especially when with his master. And after the space of about one hour, one of the slaves of the high priest confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he had yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how that he said unto him, Before the cock crew, this day, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. All at once Peter's life had fallen to pieces, shattered upon the rocks of his own foolish pride, ground to dust by his own fear, and blown to the four corners of the earth by the winds of despair. Once, not so long ago, he had stood by, side by side with his master, willing to do anything, willing to go anywhere at Jesus' bidding. He now could not even so much as acknowledge his discipleship. And Jesus knew. Jesus saw him deny. He heard him deny. And now? Now it was too late. All that was left for Peter was the bitterness of tears and regrets. It was too late. It was just too late. And the men that held Jesus mocked him 
and beat him, and they blindfolded him, and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is he that struck thee? And many other things spake they against him, reviling him. On Jesus would now go to the third stage of his religious trial, this time before the Sanhedrin. There would be more questions and more doubting. And Jesus again told them that he was the Son of God. So then they went and held consultation. They bound him and they led him away to be, liver, to be delivered to Pilate. So even now, in the light of day, the works of darkness continued their evil progress. So Jonathan here, uh, and it, you know, this is something that I don't know that everybody realizes. There were three stages of trial, uh, two in the dark of night and one in the morning that Jesus was, was put forward to uh, have to experience. And how difficult it was for him. And each time there was a little bit of more of a, a beating and there was continual humiliation. And then, of course, you have the, uh, the, the denial of Peter. Oh, his, one of his best friends. And the thing about that denial, you had the betrayal in, in, in that we talked about in the first segment, but the thing about the denial that was so uh, impressive and so difficult was that Jesus could hear him and Jesus could see him. And Peter knew. And Peter saw him. They made eye contact. Yes. And then there you have this, this, the, the darkness just growing and growing, and Jesus truly, truly, truly was alone. Uh, at this time, and again, through three different stages of his of his religious trial, and this is all even before the civil trial was to begin. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Jesus is risen. Coming up, Pilate finds no fault in Jesus. Why this hidden agenda from the high priest? Pilate's confused. That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick, and our subject this morning, Jesus is Written. We're not taking on-air calls, but we would certainly love to hear from you. So give us a call at 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And now, back to our story. Chapter 3. Freedom's Price. When human life is on the line, we often see those few special individuals rise to the top and do extraordinary things in its defense. We call them heroes. Two thousand years ago, Jesus was the hero, for he not only endured and overcame evil plotting, lies, and betrayal, he endured and overcame pain, torture, humiliation, and crucifixion, all without sin 
and all done to pay the price, the required price of redemption for the entire human race. Freedom's price was high. Jesus paid it all. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the Praetorium, and it was early, and they themselves did not enter into the Praetorium so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Therefore Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. So Pilate questions Jesus and sees a problem. There was no fault with this man. If that wasn't enough, it was obvious that the high priests had a vendetta against him. So simply releasing Jesus would not do either. Pilate reacted as any good politician. He sought the path of least resistance and sent Jesus over to Herod, who questioned him, mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him again to Pilate. Pilate summoned the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. And behold, having examined him before you, I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. No, nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us. And behold, nothing deserving of death has been done by him. Pilate sought to release Jesus, but the crowd clamored for Barabbas. He had one more option. You're listening to Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan, here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Jesus is Risen. And folks, again, we're not taking on air calls, but if you'd like to uh, participate, uh, you can certainly call us and speak with our call screener, 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. And again, we're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And second hour, listen to us live at ChristianQuestions.com. So if we're not on in your area on the radio, go to your computer, ChristianQuestions.com, hit the Listen Live button, and stay with us, because obviously the story just continues to get better and better and better. And please don't forget to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition, so you can get the text and some, some illustrations and some graphics on this particular and bonus program. material. It's all there, ChristianQuestions.net. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and put a purple robe on him, and they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews, and to give him slaps on his face. Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Jesus then came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. So when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews dug their heels in. They would not... They could not allow this Jesus to be released. So their boldness with Pilate increased as they shouted out their allegiance to Roman authority. Pilate 
became more afraid. And again he questioned Jesus. And he again he brought him out before the people. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. So they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew, Golgotha. Here was Jesus, who owned no earthly possession, who spent his life teaching any who would listen and reasoning with those who would not, carrying the weight of all humanity upon his worn and bloody shoulders. Here was Jesus, abandoned, betrayed, and now walking all alone. Here was Jesus, who had raised Lazarus from the dead, who healed, who walked on water, and who was now walking the way of suffering, so he could bear the sins of those who mocked and spit at him. Here was Jesus. And as they led him away, they laid hold upon Simon, a Syrian, and on him they laid the cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. And there followed him a great company of people, and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. And with him they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand, and the other on his left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking him with the scribes and the elders, said, He saved others himself, he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and then we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now. For if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be king of the Jews, save thyself. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. 
When Jesus therefore saw his mother, and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, saying, Doest thou not fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto thee today, Shalt thou be with me in paradise. And when the sixth hour has come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And here indeed was the final test. The previous night Jesus came to grips with crucifixion as a blasphemer, though it took sweating great drops of blood to get there. Now he was faced with the utter loneliness and agony of his father's ever-present face being turned from him, for this was the last necessary darkness that he would be called upon to bear by his father. And he bore it. He bore this burden piled upon all of the other burdens because he did not know how to not do his father's will. Though not perceptible to any onlooker at this point, victory had been secured. After this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. And some of them stood by, when they heard it, said, Behold, he calleth Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar, and put it on a reed, and gave it to him. Drink, saying, Let alone, let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. Thus, the greatest human life ever lived breathed its last. There was no fanfare, no celebration of victory, no multitudes to console one another at his passing. Instead, there had been a steady stream of mockers and revilers and darkness, hours of darkness. Yet the victory, the victory had been won. Jesus had done precisely and perfectly what he had come to do. And now, with his death, the plan of God took on an immortal life. The price had been paid, and now salvation could not be stopped. Life, life was now inevitable.
And so, Jonathan, uh, we're going to be wrapping up this first hour at the scene of the cross, uh, Jesus having paid the price. So, folks, again, you have to stay with us for the second hour because you don't want to leave the story right there. No, you don't. We, we, we want to make sure that we come back to the story, to the resurrection, and to all that it means, to the resurrection, to the forgiveness, uh, to, to, to looking at the interchange with the Apostle Peter, yes. who, if we remember, was probably just sitting somewhere just... Can you even imagine the, the state Peter would have been in? I can't. As, as Jesus dies on the cross in this humiliation, in this, in this utter disgrace publicly... And it just does not make sense to his followers. So, folks, as we wrap this hour up, and, and again, look toward, forward toward the next hour, if we're not on in your area, go to ChristianQuestions.com, click the Listen Live button, and stay with us for the second hour. And again, we really want to encourage you also to uh, sign up for Seeker Rewind, the full edition. You can get the full text of today's program in that full edition of CQ Rewind, it is a free service. A simple email sent to you every week. It gives you an attachment and it gives you a sense of being able to follow along with the story. And it really helps to see it as well as hear it. And that's what we encourage you to do. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We also encourage you to leave your comments with us uh, on Facebook. We'd love you for you to like us there and, and to uh, just let us know what you're thinking. Also, you can e- email us at rick, R-A-C-K, at christianquestions.net. Uh, for Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. Our subject this morning, Jesus is Risen, coming in the second hour, the triumph and the victory of the resurrection. Stay with us. You don't want to miss it. We'll be back soon. Think about it. Christian Questions. Albert Einstein once said, In the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, I think it's probably pretty obvious what our topic is this morning. That's right, Rick. Jesus is risen. And our theme text is found in Mark chapter 16, verse 6. And the angel said unto them, Be not afraid. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. And we are telling the story of the crucifixion uh, and the resurrection this morning. And Jonathan, this is not typical uh, for our program because, first of all, we're not taking calls on air. That's right. If you do want to participate, if you do have comments, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Call us at 866-985-4255, toll free 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website is ChristianQuestions.net. And Jonathan, our, our call screener is in the other room, and he's just waiting to see. You know, if you, if you, you want to call in, you've got somebody to talk to uh, in terms of comments on, on today's program. So, in the first hour, we went through the part of the story. Uh, we started with the betrayal of Judas, the washing of the disciples' feet, 
and the I am the vine, you are the branches lesson. Mm-hmm. Then we went to the three um, religious trials that Jesus had to undergo, all of which were illegal, incidentally. Yes. Uh, and then we went before Pilate and Herod and Pilate again, and then we went to the cross. So we left the end of the first hour where Jesus had given his life. He had fulfilled the mission that he had come to accomplish. He had given his life in that complete uh, sacrifice that was required and gave it in such a way, uh, in in such a dramatic, selfless way that uh, you look at and I still, and I shiver when I think of it. So now we continue our story. Chapter 4 Sacrifices Reward Great deeds are deserving of great reward, and oftentimes the greatest rewards can be expressed in the most simple terms. In this case, the great sacrifice rendered by Jesus was offered for one simple reason, love. Love of the Father, love of the fallen human race, and the love of the Father's law of justice. And so Jesus' great sacrifice, driven by his love, was responded to by the Father with the simple reward of life. Life immortal, and with it a seat at the Father's right hand of power. There was a sense of urgency to end the crucifixion scene. The urgency was not driven by any form of compassion or mercy, but by the fact that sundown was the beginning of both the Sabbath and the Passover, which made this particular Sabbath a higher and holier celebration than normal. With the tens of thousands of extra people in Jerusalem for the Passover, the spectacle of bodies on crosses, especially that of Jesus, had the potential to cause a stir among the people that the Pharisees did not want to deal with. Thus the urgency to hide the evidence was only for the Pharisees' protection. So Jesus was taken down to be buried in a tomb belonging to Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph and Nicodemus respectfully wrapped the lifeless body with myrrh and aloes and linen cloths and laid it to rest. They then rolled the stone over the door. All was now quiet, and the following day, at the request of the Pharisees, the guards arrived, sealed the tomb, and watched, lest someone should steal the body and claim Resurrection. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulchre at the rising of the sun. And they said unto themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulchre? And when they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulchre, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were afraid. And he said unto them, Be not afraid. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. 
The angel continued, Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. Here was to begin a new frenzy of activity for the resurrection of Jesus would not only energize the fragile followers he left behind, it would send a shockwave through all the nation. Mary would be the first to actually speak to the risen Lord. Peter and John would soon race to the sepulcher only to find it empty. Now the realization of what Jesus had said all along would begin to sink in. He is the Son of God. He is risen. He is the long-awaited Messiah. You're listening to Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan, here with Rick, our subject this morning, Jesus is written, Risen. Uh, if you have a thought, give our call screener a call. It's 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, also folks, uh, we want to remind everybody not to forget Seeker Rewind. Uh, you want to be able to go to ChristianQuestions.com, sign up for Seeker Rewind, the full edition. The entire text of this program will be on Seeker Rewind, the full edition only. Uh, sign up for it. It's a free service. It's easy to unsubscribe if you want to, but it's a valuable, valuable service uh, to be able to, to, to have this as an inspiration to help move forward day by day, especially when times get tough. At ChristianQuestions.com. So here we are. Jesus now is risen. As we sit here 2,000 years later, it's sometimes hard to really grasp the incredible magnitude of the resurrection moment. You go to the tomb in sorrow and you walk away in a shocked joy. That is truly God's amazing grace.
resurrection truly is the fulcrum on which God's plan is balanced. Up until that moment, it looked as if the heavy strength of evil would outweigh any provision that could again balance the scale. But Jesus was faithful. Justice was satisfied. And for all eternity, that never could and never would be undone. have the resurrection and you know in the, in the first hour it was almost <laughs> it, it was burdensome yes it was talking about the 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 dark side if you will of, of all of this experience but now in this hour we can look at it and rejoice in the bright side of this experience and and imagine imagine the, the parts of the three days jesus has been crucified there's the passover and there's this this sort of strange quietness perhaps amongst his followers. That's right. And, and, and the thought that, now Jesus had talked about being raised from the dead. He talked about it. But when you come to the reality, who would ever raise anybody from the dead? Jesus. That's well, right. But he's the one who's dead. So how does that happen? How do they find a way to find the faith to continue to truly, truly believe? And the amazing test of faith that would have been. And, and you know, you have the faith of, of, of the women going to the sepulcher wanting to be respectful and going not even knowing how they're going to roll away the stone that's right just going to do a service right right who's going to roll away the stone it's heavy and and they get there and and imagine the 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 words of that 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 angel sitting there saying he's not here he is risen remember what he told you right exactly remember what he told you it's an amazing story and it has much more to unfold this is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Jesus is Risen. A period of about three weeks passed without Jesus appearing. Peter said, let's go fishing, and six others agreed. That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. And our subject this morning, Jesus is Risen. Um, even though we're not taking on-air calls, our call screener looks forward to hearing from you. He's actually been busy. Oh, he has. And our, our number is 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So again, no honor calls, but we love to hear from you. And uh, Jonathan, we are going to be 
continuing our story now of the resurrection. Chapter 5 Sacrifices Compassion Those who make the greatest sacrifices are often those who hold the greatest compassion. Their sacrifice is simply a way for their compassion to find a voice to express itself. Jesus voiced his compassion through the unmistakable clarity of the cross, but it did not end there. No, his compassion would continue to be heard in the countless lives of the countless men who have walked this earth. After his resurrection, this compassion would be shown to Peter first and foremost as an example of the deep and abiding love that drove it. Peter's last communication with Jesus before his crucifixion was not verbal. In a way, that seems fitting considering Peter's action-oriented character, and it certainly did not diminish the power of the interchange. Remember this? But Peter said, Man, I do not know who you are talking about. Immediately when he was still speaking, a rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him, Before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. In Peter's own mind, the mark of cowardice upon his soul was indelibly written. For he had been the most forward and outspoken of all of the Master's followers, and yet, when it came down to the moments that truly mattered, he ran and hid like a scared rabbit. To Peter, this must have been an impossible mountain to climb. But to Jesus, ah, to Jesus, this was a mountain begging to be climbed. Until Peter could understand and accept this mountain, he went back to his old life. Simon Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will also come with you. They went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards away, dragging the net full of fish. We always revert back to our truest self. And for Peter, that meant fishing, for he did not know how to follow the Master since his denial. Yet when Jesus was revealed, Peter's truest self again surfaced, and he dropped his fishing work, leaped from the boat, and swam to meet him. Once upon the shore, 
Peter would hear the words that would begin the true transformation of his life. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. This is the true forgiveness that Jesus gives us, to acknowledge the sinner's state of mind, see the repentant hearts, and place responsibility in their hands. This is the personal forgiveness of the cross on our behalf. It is not merely a forgive and forget moment. Rather, it is a forgive, trust, and move forward moment. This is the forgiveness that Jesus offers to us. You're listening to Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick and our subject this morning, Jesus is Risen. If you have a thought and you want to talk to our call screener, give us a call at 866-985-4255. We'd love to hear from you. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now and our website ChristianQuestions.net. And we have had uh, several uh, comments come in from the call screen. One comment that really kind of stands out was uh, the, the, the big part of this whole event was the acceptance of God, uh, accepting the event, accepting the, 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 the payment of justice, and accepting everything so that everything could be put in place. Um, also, Jonathan, we want to uh, remind our listeners about uh, Seeker Rewind. Yes, the full edition. Uh, especially for this week, actually last week's program was a great one to, to get the rewind for, and once you sign up for it, you can get previous rewinds. Yes. Go to ChristianQuestions.com, sign up for Seeker Rewind, the full edition. It's a free service. Uh, and this week's rewind, rewind will feature the entire text of the story that we're telling, all there, right there for you, to make it easy to, to access any time you'd like. Again, only available at ChristianQuestions.com. So now, as we continue, we want to listen to the drama of Peter's doubt turned to elation and see yourself in the same journey. The gates and doors were barred and all the windows fastened down. I spent the night in sleeplessness and rose at every sound Half in hopeless sorrow and half in fear the day Would find the soldiers breaking through to drag us all away Just before the sunrise I heard something at the wall The gate began to rattle and the voice began to call Hurried to the window Looked down into the street Expecting swords and torches And the sound of soldiers' feet There 
there was no one there but Mary. So I went down to let her in. And John stood there beside me as she told us where she'd been. She said they've moved him in the night, and none of us knows where. The stone's been rolled away, now his body isn't there. We both ran toward the garden, then John ran on ahead. We found the stone in the empty tomb, just the way that Mary said. But the winding sheet they wrapped him in was just an empty shell. I denied I knew his name Even if he was alive It wouldn't be the same But suddenly the air was filled with strange Lightning came from everywhere Drove shadows from the room Jesus stood before me his arms held open wide I fell down on my knees And just clung to him and cried He raised me to my feet And as I looked into his eyes Love was shining out from him Like sunlight from the skies Guilt in my confusion Disappeared in sweet release and Every fear I'd ever had Just melted into peace So Jesus showed us the way with the grandest, most outrageous gift of love imaginable so that in spite of our smallness of heart and mind, we would now be able 
to get it. When I think about the road traveled by my Savior's feet, when I think about the cross he bore, the pain and suffering, and knowing where the path would lead, he willingly obeyed. He could have called ten thousand angels to carry him away. outrageous love. It wasn't the nails that held him to the tree. It was that outrageous love for the world of mankind. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Jesus is risen. Coming up, what are the effects of Jesus' sacrifice and how far reaching are they? You'll be surprised. That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. And our subject this morning, Jesus is Risen. To be a part of our program, though uh, our call screener would love to hear from you. We're not taking on-air calls. Give us a call at 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And, Jonathan, as we go back to the story, we're now looking forward uh, in, in our story. And uh, we're going to begin uh, by going back to the, uh, the, the ending of that uh, outrageous love song because the love expressed by God and, and His Son is so outrageous. Chapter 6, Sacrifices, Results.
Personal forgiveness is a most powerful experience. Properly accepted, it will change your life. It will make you better and it will provoke you to be forgiving in the same way that you are forgiven. But personal forgiveness is only the beginning, the, the introduction, the prelude to what the forgiveness of the cross brought to us. You see, there are a myriad of prophecies that speak of worldwide restitution, worldwide peace and harmony, and these are the real story of the cross. Personal forgiveness is good. These prophecies fulfilled are even better. And in the days of those kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, nor shall the sovereignty thereof be left to another people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. There is a very specific context being set out here in Daniel. We have those kings. Well, what kings? The kings of earth. We have the God of heaven setting up an indestructible kingdom that will break the previous kingdoms in pieces. So it must be again here on earth. And think about it. Jesus actually taught us to pray for those in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Think about how much sense this makes. Jesus died for Adam and therefore for us. And that means he came to restore what was lost. A perfect earth. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Again, let's notice the elements here. We have Jesus and the church, his called out ones. Then it says that God, through Jesus and his sacrifice, reconciled and made peace with all things. This is much more than the true church. The blood of Christ is about much more than me. It's about us. All of us. And that he may send Jesus, the Christ, appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. God through Jesus is not only reconciling all things to himself, he is restoring all things. When you restore something, you return it to its former state. Peter here in Acts says that the prophets spoke of this restoration. Well, what did the prophets say? Let's look at just a few of the prophecies. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places and will make her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. The perfection of Eden was lost, and Isaiah is saying that the waste places of earth will look like it? You see, redemption brings restitution, and restitution brings gladness, thanksgiving, and song. Well, how do we know? The prophecies, the prophecies tell us. But in the last days it shall come to pass, 
that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. These are specifics about the future of earth. There will be many nations. They will all be seeking after God, which indicates that they must go through a learning curve. They will walk in godly paths, and Israel will be their example. And he shall judge among many people, and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts hath spoken it. For all people will walk one in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. God will teach the world the ways of peace. Swords to plowshares, spears to pruning hooks, no more war, rather they will all dwell in peace. Each with the ability to provide for themselves, and all while living under God. This is the direct result of the sacrifice of the cross, the ransom payment for Adam and his sin. This is the way God intended the world to be. So, while those now faithful to Jesus will have an inheritance in heaven, the everybody else will have an inheritance on earth. Once they prove, once they prove their faithfulness to Jesus in the judgment day, praise be to God for his unspeakable gift. No wonder the scripture says, being found in appearance of, as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that all the name, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. The Father. What a comprehensive picture of the simple yet profound work of Jesus. Adam sinned, therefore we all sin, and justice required satisfaction. Jesus came, lived perfectly, then gave up that life, and therefore satisfied justice. He now reigns on high, and all of the world under the curse of Adam will be given a new lease on life. Why? Because that is what justice demands. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. 
They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is yet another example of a clear picture of an amazing earthly setting. Building houses, planting vineyards, personal responsibility, no labor in vain, the Almighty guiding and directing the affairs of earth. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. Yes, the sacrifice of Jesus. That is what brought about this future. No wonder Revelation says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things, they are passed away. So Jonathan, that is a look, a prophetic look at uh, the, the results of the cross, the results of the sacrifice. And as we have just a, a few minutes to, to wrap up this, this program this morning, uh, it, it is astounding to me how the Bible has such a comprehensive picture that's all built around the sacrifice of Jesus. Absolutely. Right from the very beginning, from, from the, the book of Genesis, where you have uh, the, the original sin, where you have uh, the, the promise uh, given to Abraham that we so often quote in the NNI seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed yes they'll be as the stars of heaven and the sands of the seashore you have that promise and then you have the ability for that promise over centuries and centuries and centuries to find its fulfillment because when God speaks his word never returns to him void but always comes back with its desired results and sometimes it's hard to wait for such a thing Especially for us. <laughs> <laughs> but waiting is well worth the effort. So folks, as we begin to, ra- to wrap this up, we hope you've en- en- enjoyed and, and been inspired by the review of the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection. I do want to make one point, Jonathan. Um, one of the callers that called in during, during the program and talked to our screener, um, he, he was mentioning some things that I think need to be, need to be borne out. You know, the, the thing is, What's happened in, 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 in our world, in the Christian world especially, is a lot of the, the original dates and things have gotten skewed. Mm-hmm. Um, if you follow the Jewish calendar, Passover uh, and you know, therefore the, the, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus don't follow the, the, our, our typical calendar. That's right. So t- technically, <laughs> and I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but technically today is not really Resurrection Sunday. You're right. Okay? And also... Uh, again, we follow the Jewish calendar to find those things, and if you look at the Jewish calendar, Passover was Monday. Therefore, the the night that Jesus would have been brought to trial would have been Sunday night, mm-hmm. and he would have been crucified on Monday this year. Yes. Okay? So, just to put that in, in perspective, and also another thing, well, while I'm on a roll on these things, the, the concept of Easter, if you, if folks, if you ever notice, we, we, we don't, talk about Easter. We talk about Resurrection Sunday. That's right. And why do we do that? Because Easter is actually technically based 
in pagan ritual. Uh, mm-hmm. The god, the goddess Estera, or Estere, I forget how to pronounce it, was a goddess of fertility. Mm-hmm. And what the church did in early times, much to our dismay, I might add, was to, to try to combine the, the, the sacredness of Christianity on top of paganism in hopes of drawing pagans to Christianity. But yeah, it, didn't, it didn't work so well. Didn't, didn't didn't work quite so well. So just just understand that as we put all of this in perspective, we want to make sure that we're we're focusing on the right things. And and the interesting thing is, Jesus asked us to to remember one thing about his life. He did ask us. He said, "Remember at that that night of of the the." Before the Passover, the Last Supper, the Last Supper, yes, and he do said, this in remembrance of me. And as oft as you do this, you year will remember after me. Year. So he did tell us to focus on that simple ceremony, so that we could always remember the core value of his death and his resurrection. And doing this program is built upon that remembrance, remembering. The, the body and the blood, the body, broken body of Jesus sacrificed for us and his blood given uh, as a ransom price uh, for the world of mankind. And you can't, in my mind, you can't remember those things without remembering the final results. Jesus came forth from the grave and restitution, therefore, is impossible to stop. Satan, even though it doesn't look like it right now, Satan has been defeated. It's only a matter of time till his lease on time is up. God wins through the sacrifice and love of Jesus. Folks, we hope you've enjoyed being with us this morning. We encourage you to leave your comments on Facebook. Uh, you can email us at rick, R-I-C-K, at christianquestions.net. We truly enjoyed being with you and telling you the story of the crucifixion and resurrection and what it means to all the world. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We'll be back again next week with another subject. But till then, Jesus is risen. Life has nothing but up to go towards. Think about it. Thank you.